Welcome everyone to our worship service at the United Methodist Church, Westlake Village, on this Sunday, May 8th, 2022. This is the third Sunday of Easter. Hallelujah. And it's Mother's Day. Hallelujah. Thank you, moms, for being great moms that have helped us to grow up to be great people. Welcome to all of you who are joining us electronically or in person. We are glad that you are here with us this day. The flowers are in honor of the birthdays of Lois Jackson and Faith Lewis. Uh, we thank the Jackson family, Lewis family, for uh, sharing uh, their emotions, their people, and their flowers with us uh, this day. Koku continues, uh, Kaneo Connect continues on Tuesday night at Thousand Oaks this week. The following uh, Wednesday, a week next week, the, the gatherings will be on Wednesday and will be here on our campus. Also note that Pizzazz is coming up the last week of July and Vacation Bible School that first week of August. So we hope that you spread that word and get as many youngsters as possible to be engaged. It's it's a great opportunity for uh, fellowship and growth. There are some opportunities that are listed in the Friday announcements for a service. Um, besides the uh, manna collection that is happening this afternoon, we are also having the opportunity to collect items for the interfaith welcome basket for refugees. If you look at the Friday announcement, you'll see the items that are necessary, that are needed, that are hoped for in that collection. Uh, you can participate by uh, going to the Sign Up Genius and signing up and announcing what it is that you'll bring, or you can talk to Kathy Loeb after worship to get more information on that. All right, this Sunday, our mission moment is Haven Hills, and here to present, if she catches on to my gestures, um, is... Candace Shehorn to introduce us to this mission moment. Candace? Hi. Hi. Are we doing the video first? Okay. Let's watch a video on, on Haven Hills and then listen to Candace. He was my high school sweetheart. Like, I never thought in a million years that... I would end up with going through this. I woke up every morning in fear, like what was gonna set him off? Was it gonna be I took too long of a shower? Was it gonna be that, you know, we didn't have the right milk? I don't know. It was, it was terrifying. Everybody was living on eggshells. I was very isolated to the point that I had to ask permission. I made excuses because he was the only breadwinner. If I had lost weight, if I was prettier, maybe he'd be nicer. I eventually realized that he wasn't gonna get any better and he was just gonna get worse. And that's when I knew we had to leave. And that's where I learned about Haven Hills. Haven Hills taught me that it was okay to take care of myself first. Um, 
they taught me that I couldn't take care of my children if I wasn't okay. So they gave me that permission to, to heal. Um, they taught me the cycle of abuse, so I understood what was happening to me. I'm someone special. Um, I'm important, and I learned to value myself. The group therapy um, is what saved me, knowing that I wasn't alone, knowing that there was no time limit to heal. I no longer see myself as a victim of domestic violence. I know I'm a survivor of domestic violence. I'm not afraid anymore because now I have a future. video that was. Um, during the month of May, the mission committee has chosen Haven Hills in Conejo Park as our mission of the month. Since 1977, Haven Hills has lifted up survivors of domestic violence to transform their lives. Haven Hills is one of the largest and oldest domestic violence organization in Los Angeles. And as you saw in the video, Haven Hills offers shelter, crisis intervention, counseling, advocacy, and activities supporting increased economic opportunities. Over 2,500 women and men have been helped each year. Through their hard work, they help survivors of domestic violence find the strength within themselves to break the cycle of abuse and build a new productive and joyful life for themselves and their children. The Missions Committee thanks you for your consideration and support of Haven Hills and for all that you do, supporting the missions of UMCWV. Thank you, happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Candace. And on this, on this Mother's Day, boy, is there anything uh, more appropriate as a mission moment than, than carrying, extending a hand of uh, support to, to women who find themselves caught in untenable situations. Um, thank you, Mission Committee. Today we continue with our worship services, services based upon the life experiences of some of our laity, specifically highlighting how their faith has been shaped and their, their spirituality formed. In the telling of these traveler tales, we hope you will hear an, an edifying word to uplift and perhaps to encourage you along your own faith journey. All right, then, let us center ourselves for worship.
Come, brothers and sisters, let us join spirits and worship the Lord our God. Let us celebrate this day of resurrection. pray. Holy God, through your mercy, we are given the opportunities to grow into our better selves. As you illumine our way forward on the life journey that is set before us, 
We give you praise and we pray for your help. We are blessed by your grace. Help us to reflect your love to the world around us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. that joyous reception this day. This is my time to talk to the children of our church, and I'm glad that you're excited for me to talk to you as well. Today is Mother's Day, and as I look around the children of this room, most of your mothers actually aren't here today. It's like, but you have people in your life who have loved you the way that mothers love you who have supported you, who have nurtured you, who have said, I want the best for you. And you have members of this church that you may not know as well, but want to walk with you as too, to be a part of your faith journey, to let you know how deeply you are loved by this community and how much God loves you. So as we celebrate Mother's Day today, I want you to think about those people that you need to say Happy Mother's Day to. Not just your moms, maybe your Sunday school teachers, maybe your elementary school teachers or high school teachers, if you happen to be in high school. Um, maybe it's someone else. I have a friend who is a pastor who lost his mother when he was about 10 years old. And every year on Mother's Day, he takes the moment to thank his father for being the mother in his life as well, because his father really single-parented well, and he wanted to make sure that he knew, hey, Dad, I recognize how you stepped into these places where I didn't have a mom so that I knew that my parent was there, and I want to say thank you. So this is going to sound weird, but you guys can even say Happy Mother's Day to a man in your life who has made a difference to you. Crazy, right? <laughs> thank you, sweetheart. Um, but... Think about those people who have given you that unconditional love and take the time to say thank you today or this week. And as an act of saying thank you, in my head this all worked out, but I recognize some of the pieces didn't fall into place as well as they could have this morning. Flowers were delivered to the church for any of the women or anyone who would like to take a flower home. I think we have about 50 to 70 of them, so anyone who would like to have a flower at the end of worship, all of the adult women, anyone else who would like a flower, as long as we have them, feel free to take one home with you because we want to say thank you for the ways in which you have each helped to raise the children of our church. Will you guys join me in a moment of prayer? <laughs> Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for tomorrow, and thank you for all of our yesterdays. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending mothers into our lives, whether they're the ones that brought us into this world or the ones that showed us your love. We give thanks. Amen. All right, you guys can head off to Sunday school.
please join me in a moment of prayer. Awesome and almighty God, we give you thanks for this day, for the ways in which your spirit flows around us, inviting us to see the ways in which you invite us onto a journey with you, inviting us to embark on an adventure, inviting us to say, here I am, send me. Be with us as we see the ways in which you are guiding and directing us this day and into the future. Help us to step boldly with faith or timidly, trusting that you will illumine the next step that we need to take if the first one is nerve-wracking in and of itself. We thank you for the fact that you are with us through every step of the journey. And at those moments that we feel like we can handle no more, you sit down with us, place your arms around us and say, child, I am here with you. Take a moment to grieve, take a moment to rest. Do what you need to do, but know that when you are ready to get up, we will walk this path together. We give thanks for the fact that these tales of traveling are not solo adventures, but every single moment they are with you. As a church community, we lift up prayers for the following people and situations. We pray for Warren Tabutal, who has been in the hospital for over a week. We hope that the procedure that is needed is they are able to do tomorrow so that he can return home to his family. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Sandy Nodoff and her healing along with Bill, that they know your presence at this time. We celebrate that Sandy has progressed in her recovery, but we know that there's still some steps to take along the way. Be with the Nodoffs that they feel your presence, they know your love, and they know the support of this church family. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Kathy Drake, who this day celebrates her first Mother's Day as a grandmother and continues on her road of treatment for her cancer. Be with her that she continues to find that same joy of life and constant focus on you as she continues down this path through hurdles and celebrations all along the way. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up those that are encountering the new strain of COVID that is uh, developing in our communities. Be with all of us that we continue to take the precautions necessary to care for ourselves and our loved ones well and to, do, to live our lives to the best of our abilities. Continue to give us the ability of discernment and, and see the ways in which you are inviting us to live fully in the midst of this this epidemic. In your name we pray. Oh, no. Oh, Lord. I'm not done yet, Lord. Sorry. We lift up prayers for the people of Ukraine as the war continues uh, to wage on. Be with those that this day is has no sense of normalcy. Let them know your strength. Let them know your, your presence as they fight as they persevere, as they continue to struggle to maintain their rights and hope to rebuild sometime in the near future. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we take a moment to lift up the prayers of our hearts in this moment of silence.
Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, we don't just come to you with with prayers of concerns. We come to you with prayers of celebrations as well. We celebrate uh, for those college students that are home after a season away. We celebrate with the graduations that have started, including the one at TCU and Tyler Jacks and his graduation from college. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, and we cannot forget to pray for our mothers, for our mothers who have given us life and love, that we may show them reverence and love. We pray, O Lord, hear our prayers. For mothers who have lost a child through death, that their faith may give them hope, and their family and friends support and console them. We pray, O Lord, hear our prayers. For women, though without children of their own, who, like mothers, have nurtured and cared for us, we pray, O Lord, hear our prayers. For mothers who have been unable to be a source of strength, who have not responded to their children and have not sustained their families, we pray, O Lord, hear our prayers. Loving God, as a mother gives life and nourishment to her child, so you watch over your church. Bless these women that they may be strengthened as Christian mothers. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, their sons and daughters, may honor them always with a spirit of profound respect. Grant this through Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to say when we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Thank you, choir. So this May, we're having a sermon series to encourage us all to think uh, religiously, to think theologically about our lives and to consider how it is that God is moving along with us in our journey of life, that we would actually call it a faith journey. Four members of our congregation are helping us with this enterprise by sharing their faith stories this month. We'll enjoy learning more about them, if nothing else, right, and and their spiritual development. And perhaps, perhaps it is our prayer, perhaps, that we will experience a nudge, a nudge or two for our own relationship with God. We are calling this series Traveler's Tales. So last week we met Julie Elginer, and today we chat with Nancy Moravec. Nancy is married to to Fred and has grown children with families that they look forward to visiting as often as time and as energy allow. For nearly two decades, Nancy worked on the staff of our congregation in a couple different positions, uh, children and youth ministries as the general area in which that she served. A whole generation, a whole generation passed through these doors and roughhoused on our campus who looked to her as a trusted life mentor and now a, a dear friend. So I want to invite Nancy to come up and as she makes her way to the chair and gets herself settled, um, Let me remind you that the hymns that we've sung today are from her thoughts that undergird her understanding of her journey and her scriptures that I'm going to share with you now are are two scriptures that speak to her faith and, and the faith that she has tried to speak to others. Our first reading is from Philippians in which we hear these verses. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. For God is my witness how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and the praise of God. Our second reading is from Matthew. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, (coughs) you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the greatest and the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Nancy! Quote. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad that you agreed to be a part of this series so that we could learn more about you and your faith journey. And I'm thinking a, a good way to begin is to ask you to just give us a little basics, a little bit outline of how things got going for you in life and, and perhaps the role of faith in the church in those early years. So uh, I'm the uh, youngest of three children. I grew up in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. I lived there until... Um, about 50 years ago, and then we moved um, towards Los Angeles, and we've been in this community since 1972. We raised our daughters here. We have, as uh, you already mentioned, we have two daughters. Um, both of them are educators, and we have, um, one lives in New Jersey, and that's where we travel to frequently, mm -hmm. as we can. Pandemic has slowed us down, but um, we've just returned a few weeks ago, about a week ago, to be, to be back in time for this. Um, we're here, and um, Fred and I met in San Diego. He was a naval officer. Yeah, yes. tell, tell us a little bit more about those San Diego years. Were you reared in the church before you met Fred? Let's leave him out of the out of the picture for him. Leave Fred out of the picture for a second. When when you were when you were um, more of a youngster in San Diego or in those early years, what was the church like? Did you go to church? Uh, so I was part of a of a very large first church in downtown San Diego. It was a Presbyterian church. There were 5,000 members. And uh, my extended family, which is, was also in San Diego, belonged to that same church. So when I went to church, I went with my cousins and my aunts and my uncles and my mother and my sister and my brother. We all were in the same church. And that continued until I was in high school. And uh, we still went to morning church there, but my friends invited me to go to MYF. It must have been predestined. <laughs> so there you have it. Um, and so I went with my friends. All my best friends were part of the Methodist church in the community I live, which is a, a subdivision of San Diego. And um, that church made me feel very welcome. I went to church camp with them um, during the summer and um, kind of shared that with, with Rachel. Kind of uh, camp has always been a really important part of my um, growing up years. And my mother was always very um, supportive of what I wanted to do. She, I was christened as a child in the Presbyterian Church, but uh, I was 16 years old when I accepted an altar call and went forward and said, here I am. Here I am, Lord, huh? And uh, that same year, uh, while I was at church camp, I had another kind of what they call mountaintop experience. And uh, yes. so I stayed involved in the church. Do you um, want to share a little bit about that experience? Well, then I might get emotional. Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can handle just, we can handle you know, you're just you, I, I don't know how many of you, um, in this congregation, churches, uh, church camp has been a strong uh, ministry, and, we, and that's probably why I supported it so much while I was on staff here at the church, is because when you're at church camp, you're kind of set aside for a time being. And all day there's a lot of fun and a lot of um, 
positive energy. Uh, but at night, there's something that happens around that campfire that that um, yeah. changes you, that shapes you. And um, I just remember each night feeling more and more and more like I was on a journey that was carrying me somewhere. Yes. Um, I think I mentioned to you when I talked that my faith wasn't has never been one and done. It's been an unfolding. Um, and I've explored lots of different faiths. But what I've looked at and what has struck me is how many faiths really intersect in a way that allows me to draw upon the strength of those religious leaders as well as my own faith journey here at um, in the Methodist Church. Uh, camp was part of that. Around the campfire, I think I renewed my commitment. It wasn't much after I had been baptized. And um, I think that that shaped who I am and it has informed who I have been for the last forever years. Nurtured in the church, yet in that, in that special moment around the campfire, um, a particular time of encounter with God that um, placed something really deep yeah. in your heart and that gave you a direction as well. I don't know that I had a name for it then, but I think now I would say it would, could have been something like um, just a deeper awareness of how much God cared about me. Yeah. How I was, in fact, a child of God. And that that would always be my superpower. Exactly. It would always be something that would shape who I am and how I move through the world. And indeed, did you, did you find in those years then afterwards, as you were uh, doing whatever Nancy Marbeck would do as a older youth or young adult, bumping into Fred and college, God's hand kind of in guidance or God in partnership on the journey? Uh, well, Fred was raised in a Methodist church, but I didn't know that when I met him. I met him at a dance. He was a young naval officer. I was a elementary school teacher. I was invited by the uh, officer's wives. To, I was deemed suitable. <laughs> I went to a tea and they said, yes, you are suitable, you may go to the dance. Oh boy, there's um, a big story there that we're just going to leave on the table. And Fred, and Fred reminds me often, he didn't have to do anything except for show up, uh, but he asked me to dance, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah. Uh, four months later, we were married. Four months later? And two, about a month and a half after that, Fred left for Vietnam. Oh boy. And uh, by the time you returned, we had a child. So uh, it, was, it was a journey. Yeah. But I moved home, back with my family uh, for that time being. And uh, that was a good thing. And it turned out that at one point in time, Fred had thought he would be a Methodist minister. Hmm. Um, but he changed his mind. He became a salesman, which is sort of a Methodist minister. <laughs> <laughs> he had a product to sell. He knew the features and benefits. So, and I think that that's, yeah. I'm glad you're laughing and smiling. So, um, so when we had our children baptized, they were both baptized in the Methodist church. 
And um, we were at Riviera United. Uh, well, the, our first child was born, was baptized by the pastor of the church where Fred grew up in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And our second child was baptized at Riviera United Methodist Church. And we were part of that church family until we moved here. And really- Now Riviera is on the south shore of LA. It's down by Redondo Beach. Redondo Beach. Here in Redondo Beach. It turns out John Nagel had been a pastor there. I didn't know that. He left about the time I came. Um, and so uh, when we came to uh, Agora Hills, we started going to the Presbyterian Church, sorry. Oh, and, um, but one day, Reverend Lee Truman knocked on our front door and said that Bob Feldman, the pastor at Riviera United Methodist Church, had given them our names. And he came to visit us and invite us to come here. And we've been coming here almost every Sunday since, like, since that time, thanks uh, to Lee Truman's invitation to be part of this church family. That's so you were part of this church family from its earlier years, not not quite a charter member, but not in quite, no. in those early years, yeah, you've been a part of this church for many decades. When there wasn't much here except for a round building and too small and lots of open space. Now, is it true that this altar is the altar from back then? It is. It was in the center of the room where we met mm -hmm. um, when we sat met facing one another, and I, I told all the. Um, I started getting involved in the church, but one time they needed a substitute teacher for the first and second grade class, and they asked me if I could do that. I had been an elementary school teacher. I knew what to do. The uh, person I subbed for never came back. <laughs> I came the first Sunday, and I thought that was it, and they called me and said, well, we still need a teacher for that class, and seven years later, <laughs> I was still teaching that the and I had seven little boys in the pastor's office. It was about the size of a closet. And um, Glinda Singer's, I mean, Glinda Chunko's boys were in my class. And there was a lot of energy in that room. Mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of energy. Well, bless your heart for, for saying yes and then actually saying yes again mm -hmm. for that and doing it for seven years. That's a... I think that's a marvelous witness. Many, many of us listening to your story are going to be thinking about that took a lot of maybe courage and, and energy on her part to step energy forward for sure. and, and be willing to do that. Now, did you think you were a particular Bible scholar or, or religious know-it-all that you could do this? <laughs> what, what made you think that you could be a part of that? Well, you know, I never even thought about that. I just figured they would give me a book that I could study and I'd know what to do. Um, I knew how to make a lesson plan. And, um, and I like people, and I like small people. Um, and so being around children is just really a natural thing for me. Um, I like people of all ages, but I'm drawn to, to children and youth. They have such a positive energy. And, um, and I, I just enjoy, I enjoy doing it. And so I kept at it, and then um, it's really hard for me. I, I thought about it a lot as I was talking to you to separate my job here at the church, where I worked for almost 30 years, from my volunteer time. The first 20, in the, well, the first 10 years, and then the last, these 10 years since I've retired. It's been a little over 10 years since I retired, but um, it's really hard for me to separate those because there were so many people in this church 
who invested in the things that we were trying to do here, people who stepped forward and said yes, like I had, and wanted to be a part of youth ministry, and wanted to be a part of Christian education, and that's what I started out doing. I chaired Christian education, and then um, when I came on staff, well, Jan Sorensen was here with us, and we were, so we all were kind of working together, and I was doing youth ministry, and she was doing Christian education, and um, I had been, Fred and I had volunteered in Christian in youth ministry, and then uh, Al Lennington got, took a different job, started a different career, and so they invited me to be the um, youth director. Kind of to replace him. Oh, you couldn't, kind of. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, uh, and we had a wonderful youth program, and, and it was really fun to be, and there's so many people here who were part of that. It was a real team effort, and uh, yeah, so that's, and, and out of that grew so many other opportunities. The church asked, gave me the opportunity to go to School of Theology at Claremont and take coursework to become uh, certified in youth ministry. And uh, they offered me opportunities to go to five-day academies for spiritual formation, yeah. which are sponsored by Upper Room. And I got to travel and, and meet with those people. And every time I went on one of those trips um, or had one of those educational opportunities, I felt like I was still unfolding into the person God intended me to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about further further schooling and equipping, but I, I, I really asked that question in a silly kind of way because it, it is an opportunity for all of us. We, we don't need to feel like we're, um, like we do know it all about the faith or that we are uh, finished products of our, of our faith journey to engage and be in ministry and help the church do the things that the church wanted to do. You just really need to have a love of people and, or a love of kids and then um, live that out. But, but you did that and you lived that out and then you got some other uh, training to, to yeah. further round out your ability to do that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was important, but also it equipped me to take over some other responsibilities as people retired here or um, they offered me other opportunities. And so um, after about 20 years, I gave up youth ministry and started doing what I call um, they called, I think I was the director of Christian life, which sounds pretty ominous, but um, that's the title they gave me. And so then my ministry seemed to be from womb to tomb. I was in charge of the preschool, but I was also in charge of helping with things at, people, at end of life things. And, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, some days I would work with the youth and I, I would be with the Sunday school children and then I would be with the senior citizens and uh, crappy ladies and everything in between. And I find that to be really nourishing too. That must have given you a, a broad um, sense of how God works in people's lives and, and how there is a, uh, a strand, a continuity with that person's soul as they move through the challenges of different lifespans. But God is with them through all of that, just as God is with you through all of that. And, and in between, I didn't think about it, you just said it, but we had several young people who came to be part of our staff. And it was from them that, it, like Brian and John Shaver, people who, um, because of their youthful energy, infused me with some, a lot of new insights into who I was. And they, they put me to the test a little bit. 
but they still always invited me to be a part of it and, and uh, a part of youth ministry and children's ministries, and uh, that was really important to me, too. That was very important, and I, and I feel like um, there was a lot of synergism between the two, the, well, when I work with them, just like, well, like when I was working with other staff members here at the church, um, that between the two of us, we brought more to the situation than we could have possibly done. And even John Gentry and I talked about that a little bit, how even though I wasn't on staff, we would, we would visit a lot about different things, and, and out of that came a lot of really positive energy. So, yeah, I, I really identify with people of all ages and, and feel like they're, they're on the faith journey with me. One of the things that has really impressed me about you, Nancy, is that you have a, uh, a very curious and exploring and open mind. And, and you're, you're willing to um, dig in and, and dig deep into different aspects of, uh, of faith or of human experience or of different um, religious points of view. And, and you, seem to, you seem to be able to stay centered in your own faith as you um, encounter and, and draw upon different aspects of other people's faith or other people's points of view. Could you, am I, am I characterizing you right? And could you share a little bit more of that if I am? Well, um, I like to read a lot. I like to ask a lot of questions. Rick Schroeder always tells me, don't ask another question. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I get that place, Rick. I understand what you mean. Uh, but um, that questioning that, and, and the love of the word has drawn me to read um, very eclectically. And, uh, I, I've, I've always wanted to know more about other religions, and I've always wanted to know about the things that draw us together rather than separate us. Yes. And so I think that's why it's been very easy for me to be, stay centered into who I am as a, as a woman of faith, but also to be able to see how other, other religions can have just as significant an impact on the people that worship in that tradition. Yes. And, um, and it's led me to meet a lot of interesting people and to be able to understand them and the way they move through the world, which is really important to me. When, when I reflect upon you saying that, it, it strikes me that the experience of compassion and love in relationship uh, for you may be more important than what other people may argue is right belief. Yes, indeed. Um, you know, I'm part of the uh, Kineo Interfaith uh, refugee team. Mm -hmm. And on that team are people from all walks of life. And, I, and that's one of the places I, I was thinking about, where am I still experiencing that? And then, on Tuesday mornings, I'm part of the New Hope Lutheran Church's women's Bible study. Now, they're not that different than we are, but they do have different ways of things, and sometimes they'll, say, they'll ask me, well, you're a Methodist, what do you guys think about that? And so, um, I, I just think that out of those relationships, I've become a richer, more grounded person, and that I've grown closer to the God that I worship, and, and the Jesus that I follow. 
because I see that there's a lot of congruency. And for me, living a life of congruency is so important. The sinner needs to hold for me. And I find that sinner not just in one little space, but in this, all the spaces that I put myself. If, if you were to uh, if you were to give a gift of, of insight to the people watching us or, or hearing us here in person today about about your faith journey um, what how would you how would you share that what would you say as a closing for this morning what would be a, a final kind of word to share First, I'd say for me, the church has been like an incubator. Hmm. It's been a, a, a place of refuge, a soft cushion to land on, but it's also been a place where I've met like-minded people who have really encouraged me on my journey. And I, would, and I think that that's one of the greatest gifts of uh, a worshiping community, is that there are people who want you to succeed. They want your faith to grow, they want you to become stronger and to be able to depart to serve, as it says, over the door. Um, and I, I would just hope that everyone here would re would think about that, that they would that they would know that um, seeking like-minded people, but also seeking other people who aren't ex don't always see things exactly as they do, is a way to grow in your faith. That. Um, the mentors, the teachers, the pastors, the companions on the journey are the people that um, nourish you, inspire you, and encourage you. And um, for me, that's just so important. Um, the other day I was on an airplane and I saw a young man with a bracelet on and I thought, what does that bracelet mean? Because I think you've probably all seen people wear a bracelet that says WWJD, what would Jesus do? And so I looked at the letters on it, and I quickly Googled it, and it said, and it, it, the letters are, I wrote it down so I want to forget, so forgive me for having a look at my notes. H-W-L-F. And so I thought, what could that mean? And it's the answer to the question, what would Jesus do? And it is, he would love first. Hmm. He would love first. And so for me, the best advice I can give anyone is to remember that it is in God that you live and move and have your being, and that you are, every one of us are called to live and love like Jesus. And if we can do that, oh, what a difference we would make. And all of us would depart to serve. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Nancy. God bless you. as the incubator, the place where we are nurtured, encouraged to grow and to thrive, to become the people of faith that we're called to be, to know that this is the place that gives us a safe place to land, to, to stretch out beyond who we know ourselves to be, to imagine who God envisions us to be, 
and to know that there are people who are encouraging us all along the way. Those are messages that I heard from Nancy very clearly and why we give to the church and why we say thank you to a God who has provided us with a church that nurtures us and helps us to grow so that as we envision the world, we recognize that we can depart to serve as well. We will present our gifts as we receive the gift of music. Let us pray. Awesome and almighty God, accept our gifts, both monetarily and of our lives, as we recognize how you have shaped us and invited us on this journey of faith to travel with you, to embark on grand adventures, sharing your love with others. Recognize that you loved us first. Help us to embrace that reality and see the ways in which we might radiate your love and light to a community in need. Amen.
this serving has been a blessing to you. May the story that you have heard encourage you to further explore your partnership with God in writing your own journey so that you may more and more be blessed by God's grace and by God's love. As you lift your eyes up to the heavens in worship of God, Understand the importance of realizing your faith through those who are around you, through acts of love and compassion. Be safe, stay healthy, and know that you are loved. Amen.